Well, I know I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, but these little critters are called petit fours. Does anyone know? Have you, in, is, in the U.S., we call them uh, good is what we call them, so, so we, don't, we don't pronounce the thing. So here's, here's what's in these things. A little bit of white cake, uh, some apricot or apricot, depending on what you wanna, how you want to pronounce that, or strawberry jam. And then they're covered with either white chocolate or milk chocolate. They are not gluten-free, and they are not good for you. But they are delicious. And Julie Jones, who's on our staff here, uh, has training as an executive chef. She actually made these fresh yesterday. And I have five of them to share because I'm hoping that they make up for what is a bad sermon. So um, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. So seriously, come up and have one. Who's coming? Who wants one? Go. Come on. Come on. Go. Come on. I'm giving treats to your kids. Don't panic. Don't panic. I've got a cappuccino for you and a free puppy too. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. There you go. There's a napkin. You better hurry because, nope, look, you missed it. You missed it. Take a napkin. Take a napkin. You can share one. There, you can share one. Julianne gets one too. All right, Sam. I'm sorry. Look, here. Here. Here's a cough drop, buddy. So those things are delectable. Let me tell you something. They are Old Testament good. They are really, really good. However, uh, it's unfortunate because yesterday when Julie was making them, she ran out of milk. Uh, so she replaced uh, the milk that was in her refrigerator with milk that was four weeks old. So, so it should be fine. Um, you, should, you should go ahead and eat them. It curdled a little bit and it smelled a little bit, but, but they should be just fine. I'm joking, of course. I'm joking. The title of our sermon this morning is One Bad Ingredient. One bad ingredient because in a church like ours, just like with a little uh, delectable dessert like that one, you could have a lot of ingredients right. You could have the worship right, and you could have the preaching right, and you could have the ministry programs right, and you could have the facility right, and you could have the guest services right. You could have a lot of things right, but you introduce one bad ingredient called gossip, and it spoils the whole thing. And it doesn't just spoil that one little dish, that one little dessert. Imagine if you were gathered around a family table and you had had a wonderful meal and you ate something that was made with four-week-old milk. It wouldn't just spoil that dish. It would spoil the entire experience, wouldn't it? Everyone would be, vi be violently ill. In fact, I I've eaten a funnel cake before. Do you know what funnel cake is? It's like this, you know, it's like anytime they take bread and fry it, like it's hard to mess that up, right? So... I love funnel cake, but it makes me violently ill. It just ruins the whole experience. Such is the case with gossip. When you introduce that one bad ingredient, it ruins the whole experience. And here's the bummer. Uh, whether it's kind of cheap candy that we ingest into our belly or whether it's funnel cake or gossip, we know that it's bad for us, but we just can't stop, can we? We go back to it all the time. There's a journalist and a literary critic. His name is Nicholas Lazard. He writes this. He says, our appetite for gossip is insatiable. Our appetite for gossip is insatiable. Sometimes the heart sinks as we hear the words, don't tell a soul. Because we want to tell somebody. We love gossip. Look at the way that Proverbs 18 says it. Proverbs 18 says it this way. It's up here on the screen. The words of a gossip are like choice Morsels, they go down to a man's inmost parts. 
they're like choice morsels. We love to ingest them because they make it make us feel good and they taste good. It's the same with me and funnel cake. I would love to be up here and tell you that I've only had funnel cake once in my life. That's not true. I've had it four times. And every time I got sick. But I keep going back to the darn thing because it's so good. Same is the case with gossip. They're like choice morsels, these, this little bit of information, and it goes down into our inmost parts. We just can't get enough. And so we have shows like Gossip Girl. We have TMZ and uh, Yahoo something or other. I, I Googled celebrity websites this week, honestly. I Googled celebrity websites. I didn't know there were so many of them. There are literally like thousands of them out there because we just can't get enough of gossip. We have the ultimate gossip site called Facebook. Have you heard of the Facebook? It's the ultimate gossip site because we can't get enough. And we know it's bad. We know it's poisonous for us, but we just can't get enough. Why is it that we love gossip so much? Well, I think one reason is because it makes us feel important. I don't know about you, but, but I've heard this said before that information is power. And so when I have information that someone else doesn't have, it makes me feel significant. It makes me feel important. I read all these articles on Psychology Today this week, actually, about gossip. And, and the psychologists all over the place, they, they readily agree that having information that someone else does not have makes us feel important. It makes us feel better about ourselves. Or, or we love gossip because we kind of estimate our life, we judge our life as being pretty boring. Like my life's pretty boring, and so it's really easy to talk about other people's lives because they seem far more interesting than I do. A social psychologist uh, named Lauren Big writes this, about 60% of conversations between adults are about someone who isn't present. Like we just get bored, and so we gossip. And that notion isn't new, it's old. In fact, look up here on the screen. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, besides, they get into the habit of being idle. They think their lives are boring. They have nothing else to do. And they go about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but also what? Gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. It's like, you know what? I don't I have a lot of time on my hands. My life isn't that interesting. Maybe I'll gossip to make myself feel better or to fill up the time. And so we know that gossip is poison. We know that it's bad for us. We know, as James says, that a very small spark can light a whole world on fire. So let's define gossip together, shall we? Because I think it's important for us to understand what gossip is. I've got, a, I've got a kind of a summary, short and sweet definition here, but I want to give you a couple definitions from the dictionary, and then we'll get to my definition. Gossip is casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Another dictionary says it this way, gossip is idle talk or rumor, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. Here's my really simple, this is kind of the Luke definition, the New Lucas translation. Uh, translation. Gossip is talking about someone or something that you shouldn't be. Gossip is talking about someone or something that you shouldn't be. It's not more complicated than that. Gossip is simply talking about someone or something that you shouldn't be. And we know we love gossip, and we know it's like a choice morsel, and we know we just can't get enough of it. But let's look what God says about gossip. Let's look what, how he feels about gossip. In Proverbs chapter 6, it's up here on the screen. I'm done with this. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him. A lying tongue 
a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. This is gossip, a lying tongue, a false witness, and one who sows discord. Bible scholars would agree that in Proverbs here in chapter 6, three of the seven things that are named in this passage refer to gossip. Here's what Bible scholars would say is that God hates gossip. God simply hates gossip. We may like it, we may enjoy it, it may fill up our idle time, it make us, may make us feel more important and more significant, but God absolutely hates gossip. And we might think that's a strong word to use of God. Does God really hate anything? Yes, indeed, he does. Gossip. He hates it. And I started thinking to myself this week, why is it that God hates gossip so much? Like, why would, why would God inspire a man to write down, I want people to know, and I want it to be recorded for all time, that I hate gossip? Why would God want to do that? And I came up with a couple of reasons that aren't necessarily in the Bible, but, but they are based on the character of God. I'm kind of wondering why God might hate gossip. And, and I think one reason why is because when we gossip, we take a good gift from God and we do bad things with it. And watch this. God gave you your voice. And even in Genesis chapter 1, when God creates, what does God use to create? And he said, let there be light. God uses his voice to create, to speak life. And he gave us our voice to do the same thing, to bless the Lord, like we just sang, oh, my soul, bless the Lord, and to bless others and to speak life into others and to talk well of others behind their back. So when it gets back to them that you're talking well of them, they just feel blessed and, and, and invigorated, and, and, and they, like, they were blessed with life because of what you said about them. And so when we gossip, we take a good gift from God and we do bad things with it. I think he probably hates that. I think he probably hates it that it reveals an identity crisis in us when we gossip. Because typically when we gossip, one of two things is happening. One, either we feel really, really insecure and not loved by God. Insignificant, unimportant. And so we kind of buck up against that song we just sang that he's a good father. And I'm loved by him. But, but now I've got to gossip about someone else in order to make myself feel better. See, those two things don't jive. Or we have this elevated sense of self. You know, I've got to talk down about somebody else, and I've got this elevated sense of self, and God says, you know, you need to be humble. When we gossip, it reveals an identity crisis. Gossip sows discord among the brothers. Proverbs 16, 28 says the same thing. We talked about last week how critical it is in the eyes of God that this body be unified, that we sit around a family table as a unified body, and gossip sows discord among the brothers. For me, here's the one that I think for, for me really stuck out in terms of why does God hate gossip. And, and, and as I thought about this question, I, I thought about my dad. My dad is like uh, 65 something. I don't know how old my dad is. He's getting ready to wrap it up, how old he is. I don't even know how old he is. He, he'll think that's funny. You might not, but he will when he watches this on video afterwards. All right, so you can say a lot of things about my dad. You can say a lot of things to his face. You can say a lot of things behind his back. And he would say to you, you know what? I'm going to go be with the Lord eventually. Like, it ain't no skin off my nose. Like, it doesn't bother him. It just kind of rolls off his back. But about two years ago, my dad and I were in a public place 
And there was a conversation between some gentlemen in this public place. My dad and I were both there. I was not listening to this conversation. I was there in this place, but my dad overheard it. And these gentlemen that were speaking did not know that my dad was my dad. And they began to gossip about me. And they began to, you know, exchange rumors and kind of guess about things and talk down about me. And my dad came up to me after the fact, and he told me what happened. And he said, Luke, I am telling you what. It was all I could do not to get physical. <laughs> it was all I could do to be godly. It was all I could do to walk away. And my dad is a godly man. He did. He walked away. He said, you know what? God is in charge of my reputation. God is in charge of my kid's reputation. I'm not going to intervene. See, you can talk about us all you want, but when you talk about our kids, men and women, parents, does that not incite anger in your heart? See, it's the same with God. Like when you talk about his kids, he does not like that. In fact, Proverbs 6 says he hates that. He hates that. Now, it's interesting to me that the Bible draws a delineation, a distinction between two words, and I think it's important for us to understand these two words. One is slander. Slander is when you knowingly lie about someone behind their back and just tell something that you know full well this isn't true. Like, you know what? I just want to let everybody know Amy's been lighting things on fire at the house, okay? She's a pyromaniac. That's what's happening. So I, that's not true. I know that's not true. You obviously know that's not true. If, anything's li if anyone's lighting anything on fire at our house, it's me, right? But if I told you that, I would know for sure that that's not true. I'm deliberately lying about someone behind their back. That's slander. See, gossip is much, much more insidious than that. I think we gossip sometimes, and we don't even know we're gossiping. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, when Paul has this like kind of lists of sins and these lists of things that are evidence that we've rejected the kingdom of God, that we've walked away from the rule and reign of God. And he starts to name all these things. He says, murderers and slanders that we just talked about. They're haters of God. They're insolent. They lust and they invent evil and their, their mouths are an open grave and all these things. And one of those things that he names is gossip. He talks about gossip in Romans chapter one. And that original Greek word is the word pisturites. It's kind of a fun word to say. Say it with me. Pisturites. That was horrible. Uh, that's not what you need to know. What you need to know is in the transliteration of that word, the way it's spelled is P-S-T, Eurythes, P-S-T. And that word P-S-T is pst, pst. What are you doing when you say to somebody pst? You're about to what? Whisper. That word pisturites in the original language, it means whisper. That's literally what it means. He says they're insolent, they're God-haters, they're murderers, and they're whisperers. See, gossip isn't forward and up front like slander is. I mean, we know when we're doing that, but sometimes when we gossip, when we spread rumor, when we engage in these things, it's so insidious, it's so hidden, it's, it happens in back rooms, it happens in side conversations, we don't even know that we're doing it. And here's what hit me this week, just as I prepared for the sermon. A lot of times I'll get up here and like, I get pretty pointed in my, in my sermon sometimes. I get pretty straight with us. And, and here's what happened to me as I studied this word gossip. Really, I don't even think we know we're doing it sometimes. And, and a lot of times we have these conversations. Have you ever, ever happened to you? It's happened to me. I'll have these conversations with someone and I gossip and I don't even know it. I don't even know it because what happens is after the fact, someone will come to me and say, hey, did you have a conversation with so-and-so about me? And I'll go, oh my gosh, I did, and I, I'm so sorry. 
And now I have to deal with the consequences. I'm just being honest. And now I didn't deliberately do that. I didn't do that on purpose, but I accidentally did, and it caused consequences. Has anybody ever done that before? Anybody with me on that? Good. Good. Okay, good. Fantastic. A a little bit of support this morning. It's nice. It's great. Okay. So here's the thing. What I want to do this morning with our time remaining is I want to ask you five questions. Five questions about the information that you share with people, about the conversations that you have with people that might help us to kind of raise a flag and kind of a light goes on and we go, oh my gosh, I'm gossiping. I didn't intend that. I mean, a slander, I know when I'm doing that, but gossip, I just kind of, it just doesn't even come to me. I don't even realize it. So five questions to help you determine whether you're gossiping or not so that we can understand it and then do what? Stop it. Okay, question number one, here we go. Is it confirmed or is it conjecture? Is it confirmed or is it conjecture? So confirmation and conjecture, confirmed versus conjecture, here's the difference. This is not the difference between truth and lie. This is the difference between I'm sure and I'm just wondering. See, there's a difference. If you for sure are lying about someone behind their back, that's slander. The Bible calls that slander. But when we wonder aloud about what might be going on in someone else's life, when we guess, guessing is gossiping. Look what the Bible says about this. Proverbs 13, it says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Those that kind of flap their trap a little bit. And they just guess and they wonder. And they offer a conjecture about what might be going on. Look what James says about this. James says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And that small fire may be that you're just guessing. You've made some observations, and then you jump to a conclusion, or you wonder aloud, or you offer conjecture about what might be going on in someone's life. And that could be a spark that sets off a huge fire. That could be the four-week-old milk that you put in a tiny little treat that ruins the whole experience. I heard a story this week um, about a Mr. Smith in a church, not ours, but a Mr. Smith, who had his car parked at a bar all night. And uh, a Mrs. Jones in the church observed that Mrs. Smith, Mr. Smith had his car parked at this bar all night. So Mrs. Jones, she had this observation, and then she began to wonder aloud about what might be happening there. She began to wonder aloud, I wonder if he's an alcoholic. I wonder if he went home with the young lady from that bar. I wonder what's going on. None of that was confirmed, and none of that was for sure true. She just began to wonder aloud. And it's interesting that Mr. Smith heard her wondering aloud. He heard her gossiping by guessing. And instead of stopping her and instead of shutting it down, instead of saying, that's not true, he listened quietly and walked away. And Mrs. Jones wondered why he didn't shut her down. Mr. Smith went home and he got in his car and he started it up and he drove straight to Mrs. Jones' house. He parked his car outside of her house and he left it all night. (laughs) So she could do, or so others could do some guessing about her. Is it confirmed or is it conjecture? Are you guessing or are you sure? Here's my question. How do you stop gossiping by guessing? How do you stop gossiping by guessing? Jesus tells us exactly how to do it. He says that you cannot get fresh water from a saltwater spring. 
It just doesn't work that way. Okay, that makes sense. You can't get salt water from a freshwater spring. That makes sense. Jesus says this. Now listen close. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what Jesus is saying, if you want to start, stop gossiping by guessing externally, stop guessing inside. Don't allow your brain and your heart to jump to conclusions or wonder what's going on in someone's life. It's not your business. Stop gossiping by guessing. Is it confirmed or is it conjecture? Question two, am I making public what's private? Am I making public what's private? And I'll just, I'll be honest with you, this one is hard for me because I'm not a secret keeper. For those of you who have been in my office and like shared personal things with me, I do keep those secrets. I'm really good at that. When it comes to like Christmas gifts, don't tell me what you got somebody because I will immediately go tell them because I love to tell that kind of stuff. When, when Amy and I got engaged, I bought the ring at like 10 o'clock in the morning and it like was burning a hole in my pocket. Like I just couldn't wait, I couldn't wait. And so other guys, you know, they set up these big elaborate things to propose to their wife and they have a date and dinner and they do a carriage ride and a gondola and whatever else. I took a blanket and I put it down on the floor of a living room. I put a folding chair, a metal folding chair on that blanket and a couple of tea lights around it, tea light candles that I borrowed, not per purchased. I put Amy down in the chair, got down on one knee, and I said, hey, boo, I got a ring. Let's get married. That blanket now, this is how important to us, that blanket now covers our dog's crate. Like that's, I just couldn't wait to share with her this information. I just, I had to get it out of me. So I know how that feels sometimes. But for those of us who disclose someone else's confidential information, this is not about secrets. This is about privacy. Watch this. This is what the Bible says. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. You see it? But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. He who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. Now listen, men and women, I understand that sometimes like the safety of a child is at stake or someone shares with you that they're contemplating taking their own life. That stuff you need to go share. But by and large, for the most part, that is their information to share. That's their story to tell. It is not yours. And if you are making their private information public, you are gossiping. Question three, here we go. Question three, is it helpful or hurtful? Is it helpful or hurtful? Look what Ephesians 4, 29 says. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. Say that word with me, helpful, for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Is it helpful or is it hurtful? I don't want to get into this one and share stories and illustrations and all that stuff because I think we know this one. I think we know sometimes when we're just sharing stuff that we're, we're not part of the solution, we're part of the problem. And we're just spreading information around. That's gossiping. And if you don't know, if you, if you maybe don't realize that you're speaking hurtful things rather than helpful things, here's a question that might help you decide whether you're being helpful or hurtful. Ask yourself this, when I share this information, what's my goal here? What's my goal? What's the end game? Why am I sharing this information? And if you cannot clearly articulate why you sharing that information with the listener 
is going to be part of the solution. If you kind of hem and haw and you can't really come to a conclusion as to why it's going to be helpful, then it's probably going to be hurtful. And you should not share it. Question four, am I promoting by permitting? Am I promoting by permitting? See, some of us think that, you know, I wasn't gossiping. I was just there when someone was. (laughs) No, what you permit, you promote. What you allow to happen, you give credence to. When you don't speak up, you are just as responsible for the gossip as that person who is gossiping as well. Look up here on the screen. Look what the Bible says. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. See, a spark needs kindling in order to become a fire. Don't be that kindling. Like a parasite can't exist on its own. It needs a host organism. And gossip is a parasite. Don't be that host organism. Don't promote gossip by permitting it. Say, you know what? I'm not going to listen to this. I'm just not going to be a part of this. I'm going to shut this conversation down right now. Stop gossip in its tracks. This is what uh, Paul encourages us to do in Galatians 6 when we see a brother that's kind of uh, gone all off, the, kind of the, off the rails a little bit, especially, not especially when it comes to gossip. It would be gossip included here. Paul writes this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, being gossip, God hates it, they're caught in a sin, if they've gone off the rails, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of, say that word with me, gentleness. So someone's gossiping, we gently wrap our arms around them and we say, I'm not going to permit this in my life. I'm not going to promote it by permitting it. And for me, I'm a pretty direct guy. So if people gossip to me, and this has happened before, I'll just straight up tell them, you know what, you're a gossip and I'm not going to listen to it. And I don't know that that's a spirit of gentleness, is it? <laughs> He's like, and by the way, that shirt doesn't fit you right. You know, like that doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't help anybody, right? That doesn't help anybody. So what I want to offer to you are four questions because I think sometimes we want to do this. We want to restore somebody with gentleness. We want to kind of confront, correct, help them kind of get back on the path. And we want to do it with gentleness. But we don't always know how when it comes to gossip. So I'm going to give you four questions that you can ask that might help you correct, that might help you not permit gossip and thus promote gossip in your own life. Four questions that you might ask somebody if and when you think you're hearing gossip. The first question is this. Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? And this doesn't have to be like a real pointed question. You're not trying to paint somebody into a corner. Why are you telling me this? That's not what that is. How am I going to be a part of the solution now that I know this information? Or what's your end goal? What's your purpose in sharing this with me? Because again, if they can't clearly articulate that, it's probably gossip. And what happens is, I love it in situations like this. I love, you know, people will begin to share information with me and I'll go, hey, hang on one second. I'm just curious. So I can kind of be, you know, of one mind with you for the end of this conversation. Why are you sharing this with me? And a lot of times, they, you know, they don't have an answer for it. They're like, well, I'm sharing it with you because I am sharing it, and you're the pastor, and it's going to be shared. It's like, well, that's not like a reason, right? That's not, that's not a reason, so we're just going to stop this right now. Question number two, here we go. Are you sure? 
Like, are, are, is this just conjecture or is it confirmed? Are you sure? This information that you're sharing with me, are you absolutely positive? Here's the one I like to, a lot of times people will report to me about a conversation. They'll say, I had this conversation with this person and here's what they said. And I love to ask this question. Are those the exact words that they used? Well, no, that that was the sentiment. Well, no, 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 no. Are you sure? Are you sure? Is that exactly what happened? Question number three, when you hear gossip, correcting somebody with gentleness, have you gone to those involved? If the answer is no, you're gossiping. Have you gone to those involved? Because Matthew 18 says that's the first step. Matthew 18 says that's the first step. That's your biblical obligation to go to those involved first. First. Not only does it say go to those involved first, it says go to them in private. <laughs> so have you gone to those involved? Question four. Can I quote you? <laughs> That's always a fun one. That's always a fun one. Can I quote you? When someone comes and asks me about this situation or this conversation, can I quote you? Would you put your next paycheck on it? Can I quote you? Usually people will go, um, no. All right. All right, well, we probably don't need to be talking about this then. I know it's tough sometimes to, to kind of stop gossip in its tracks. I know it's tough when we think we're hearing it, but really, brothers and sisters, at our family table, it is our responsibility to do that, and it promotes healthy relationships. Because we think keeping the peace means we don't kind of talk with people about this stuff, but really... Keeping the peace means that we stop it in its tracks. I was reading a blog this week uh, that talks about this, and, and I want to share it with you because I think it's fa fascinating and fantastic. Here, here's what this blog writer writes. He says, discipline in its many forms is not a popular theme in today's world of accommodation and excessive tolerance. We have become a people who avoid, even reject, the corrective disciplines. That means saying to somebody, I'm not going to, you, you need to get back on the rails here. You need to get back on track, including but not limited to gossip. Those corrective disciplines are foundational to good character and peaceful relationships. See, not confronting does not promote peaceful relationships. Confronting with gentleness, that's the caveat from Galatians 6, promotes peaceful relationships. The so-called humanists have squeezed us into their mold, turning us into self-centered, arrogant people. And because of it, we're unhappy, easily offended, and divisive. Such behavior undermines love, forgiveness, kindness, and peacefulness. And that such behavior is a reluctance, a reticence, an unwillingness to stop Sin, including gossip, in its tracks. It undermines love, forgiveness, kindness, and peacefulness. Take stock and deal with it. Does that look familiar to anybody? Anybody read that blog this week? The guy wrote that's a guy named Arnold Reimer. For those of you who don't know, Arnie Reimer was the lead pastor of this church for 25 years. He's got eight decades of walking with Jesus under his belt. Brilliant man. If I'm the kind of man that Arnie Reimer is when I'm 80, I will be thrilled. And he says, look, at our family table, we've got to learn with gentleness to wrap our arms around somebody and say, hey, that's not how we behave here at our family table. We're just going to get back on track. We're going to get back on track. How many of you have ever had a relationship damaged or ruined by gossip? Throw your hands up. Has that ever happened to you? All the time. All the time. This does not promote unity in the church. We've got to stop it in its tracks. 
here, here's the one for me. Here's the fifth question, and here's the one that stuck out the most for me, and, and this one really kind of came to the surface as I was thinking through my message one more time last night. I typically don't share a main point from the message that I just thought of last night, but this one hit me in, in, a, in a new way last night. Here's, here's question five to determine whether or not you're gossiping. Is it needed or just neat? Is it needed or just neat? Like, I could tell you that Julie Jones cooked those little delectable things. And were they good, by the way? Yeah, good. I hope so. I hope so. Come to me for your cappuccino and free puppy. So, uh, like, I could tell you that Julie cooked those, and she's a fantastic chef. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that, and that's positive information. That's helpful information. And it's neat. I think it's kind of a neat thing that Julie's a, a really good chef. But sometimes we get kind of off into this other area of conversation, and we're not quite sure that it's necessary, and it may be hurtful to somebody, but we share it just because we think it's interesting, just because it's a little choice morsel. And so, oh, it's not gossip, it's not rumor, it's not really conjecture, it's not a lie. I'm not permitting something to happen in my life, but, but I'm sharing what I think is neat information, but it's not necessary, it's not needed. Is it needed or just neat? And some of you are going, really, does the Bible say that? Look up here on the screen, this is a warning from Jesus. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every negative word they speak. Nope. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every ungodly word they speak. Nope. I tell you the truth. On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every, say this word with me, careless. It's just neat information, but I mean careless with my words. It's not needed. It's not necessary. Maybe it's just neat. And on the day of judgment, I will sit before the throne and I will give an account for every careless word that I've ever spoken. Now listen, listen, if you are behind me in that line, I'm so sorry for you because this will be a very long meeting between me and Jesus. Like this is me. I feel like if there's silence, I've got to fill it, you know? I just yap and my life has been full at times of very careless words. So I've got to learn to ask myself, is this necessary? Is this needed? Or is it just neat? Men and women of God, we have this commitment as a church to bless our city this year and, and to, as a church, be unified. And, and I am telling you that the poison of gossip is that one bad ingredient that will ruin a whole dining experience. I was listening to a sermon on gossip this week. A uh, pastor, it's a church in the States that I enjoy listening to his, um, his podcast. And he told a story about a couple in his church uh, that was experiencing some infidelity in their marriage. The man had cheated on the woman. And they came to him for help and for healing. And both parties in the marriage, both the offending party, the man and the offended party, the woman, said, you know what, we're going to work this through. We're going to heal. We're committed to this. And, 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 we, and we want God to restore our marriage. And they began to go through marriage counseling. And they were visiting the pastor on a regular basis. And they were seeing a therapist on a regular basis. And things were going really well. And they kind of got to this next step in their healing process. And that next step was to share with a very close group of friends. It was their life group, not here again, but another place. To share with their life group what they were going through. And it was like six, eight people. And they shared with them this very confidential, private information. 
And one of the individuals in the life group uh, felt like it would be good to share a prayer request with a friend. You ever heard that kind of gossip before? Like, would you pray for her? Because she's a real floozy. You know, like that's not a prayer request. Like that's gossip. And so this person shared with someone outside the group their prayer request for this couple that had experienced this really uh, devastating thing in their marriage, but were healing from it. And then that person told another friend, and then that person posted it on Facebook. And then the woman came to the pastor of this church, and she said, I am so ashamed to be in this relationship. I am so ashamed of what's happened in our marriage. I'm so ashamed of what's happened, and, and I can't do it. I can't survive. And she ended the marriage. She dissolved the marriage. After the fact, the pastor, a guy, again, that I love, said to his congregation, he said, look, I am absolutely convinced that it was not infidelity that ruined their marriage. It was not adultery that ruined their marriage. They were healing from that. It was gossip that ruined their marriage. Gossip. Can you believe that? Men and women of God, we have to be ruthless with ourselves and with one another because we love each other. And do this with gentleness. It's not, we're not mad at anybody. This is about God's grace to us, instructing us, do not gossip. Don't talk about my kids. It doesn't work out well. It's a little spark that will light a whole forest on fire. It's one bad ingredient that will ruin a gathering at a family table. Let's be people this year that use our words just like God uses his to speak life to speak grace. Don't you love it when you hear somebody talking, uh, talking behind your back about how awesome you are? Doesn't that feel good when you meet somebody and they say, oh, you know what? I heard so-and-so talking about you the other day and said how talented you are, how grace-filled you are, how great a friend you are. They have very good things to say about you. Doesn't that bring life to your soul? Let's be those kind of people. Let's shut this gossip thing down as we gather around our family table. Sound good? Good, let's pray together. God, teach us to be a people that use our words to bless you and bless others. Teach us to be a people that praise you. Teach us to be a people that talk really well of one another behind one another's backs. Teach us to be a people that don't guess and come to conclusions and make observations because of some observations we've made. Teach us to correct one another with gentleness. Teach us to keep private matters private. Teach us, God, to speak life into this family table. We celebrate you now, Jesus, in Christ's name. God's people together said amen. Hey, let's stand together. As we close... We're going to sing and bless the Lord together. As we do that, our ushers are actually going to go to the back and receive a benevolent offering. They're going to come forward here shortly and do that. Just want you to know that uh, we've already given kind of tithes and offerings that go to the ministry around here to bring the kingdom around here. But this gift is just kind of a once a month thing that we do over and above our normal giving that goes directly to needs in our community, people that are experiencing crisis uh, here at our church and around the Thornhill and greater Toronto area. So I invite you to give generously and out of a grateful and contented heart as an act of worship. And as we do that together, Darius, hey, everybody say hi to Darius. Hey, Darius, yeah. Yeah.
I like your guitar, by the way. Um, Darius has been with us the last couple weeks, and he actually led us in this song last week called Exalted Overall. It's a great song. One name is higher, one name is stronger, and one name is greater. We're going to lift that up together as we close this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together.